Welcome to the Hard Water Fishing Show. Jeff and Jason talk tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. Welcome back to the Hardwater Fishing Show, Season 6, Episode 15. We are going to go on as long as this winter goes on, Jeff, which it it is not showing any time of stopping here in the Midwest. And tonight our topic is... We are talking to the USA Ice Fishing Team, right, Jay? Which is absolutely awesome. Oh, I mean, this is a whole other aspect. You'd think after six years, we're like, yeah, we've covered most things. This was like a whole other thing that just never... it just went down a whole new rabbit hole. I know. With it, fishing. It, with these guys. It's like such a different style that I've never thought about before. Yeah. It's going to be cool. You guys are going to love it. It's going to be a neat treat. And and this morning, to the point of us going super long, Jay, it was nine degrees when I woke up this morning. On March 19th. The river which had thawed by my house is now clumping up again. And uh, there was ice flows on it again. And some very unhappy robins in the yard. They looked very sad. The snowbank at the next, the, the tallest snowbank in my yard is still at, to my chin. Yeah, it's there's some serious <laughs> snow. So up Duluth, right? Duluth, Minnesota, um, got like what a foot last last Friday. The the mall ceiling collapsed. Yeah, well, that mall is older than I am, so that doesn't surprise. Well, that's not me. saying much, that's Jay. Not, that's not saying that much. That mall's old. <laughs> <laughs> that mall looked old when I was, I don't know what year it was built, but it probably, probably early 80, late 70s, maybe? Yeah. Miller Hill Mall? Well, you said it's older than you, so. Well, it's older than what I remember being in a mall. Okay. And it's been there as long as I, let me rephrase it. It's been there as long as I can remember. Hey, that mall has enabled us fishing. The mall? The mall. There was once a time, we're not in legend time, but there was once a time where we were at the Red Shed, and you require glasses to do most things, correct? I do. So we were up there, and there was a glasses mishap. I don't even know what happened My glasses break a lot on trips. It's happened to me several times, and it happened that time. This was in the summer, though. This wasn't ice fishing. It was not ice fishing, but... but Yeah, it was the summer. Without the Miller Hill Mall in a one-hour glasses place... (laughs) It would have been game over. We would have well, not been fishing. Let's add one more thing to the mix. And a credit card. Oh, and a credit card, yes. <laughs> it would have been over. Yes, Because yes. <laughs> I think we were in our 20s and there was no cash. There was no in cash. Those days. No. no none. We did trips for 100 That was my, back then, like, it was like a $100 bill. Like, that was my goal, like, to get there, fish, and have a weekend for 100 bucks. Yeah, we'd pull the, the 16-foot Lund up there with my Dodge Spirit. Yeah, yeah. That may or may not have had breaks. I don't know. Sometimes it, didn't have all the, sometimes it didn't have all the parts. But anyway, we're digressing. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting thirsty. I am. So we just, we had Chinese food tonight, and I'm, it was high in sodium, so I'm incredibly thirsty right now. But not the so, Chinese, not Super Buffet. No, no. Actually, it was Lucky Buffet here in town. Oh. We got lucky tonight. It was good. Yeah, well, Super Buffet, I would, I'm not saying every Super Buffet that's called Super Buffet is bad, but the one we went to was not good. It zero stars. Zero stars. <laughs> zero stars. 
Lucky Buffet tonight would have been a five star. It was good. You should have nice should have gone there on thanks uh, not Thanksgiving on uh, Thanksgiving St. Patrick's Day. I don't. You know, when I think St. Patty's Day, the first thing I think of isn't. Let me go get some Chinese food. But it's called Lucky Buffet. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. I guess. Okay. There's a connection. There's a connection. Now we went to the Crowbar for. There's a place called the Crowbar. Yeah, the Crowbar. Huh. It's got a big crow on the wall. The crow, not like a crowbar, like a tire iron. But I was thinking the tire bird. iron. It's the bird. The bird. Nice. Okay, I'm still thirsty. So, so what are you yeah, drinking? We still. <laughs> All right. So in, 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 and I'm glad I get to go first. So in in alignment with the weather currently today, I bought some Samuel Adams, a brew called the Cold Snap mm. White Ale, seasonal. And it's really like me, unfiltered and lively. <laughs> this crisp white ale gets a kick from a bright blend of smooth spring spices. Mm. I don't know. Well, we're going to see. This is a little out of my wheelhouse, but the name caught me today. I like that you're using a can opener, not not a bottle opener, but like a it's kitchen a, can opener to open your it's beer. It's got a little thing on the end of it, an open can. It's, like, it's what I have. I'm not rich like you. I have a whole yeah, tool just to open bottles. Can't, can't afford a purpose-built can opener? That's just, no. Why they give those away, it? I'm pretty sure. It's an all-in-one. Can I drink my beer now? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Cool. Yeah. All right. We'll see if I still like it by the end of it. I'm glad you could still afford it after you, you know, have your can opener purchased. Well, yeah. You don't don't waste waste <laughs> not want not, man. I mean, I hope you bought another fishing lure instead of. I suppose you don't ever use a multi tool either. When you go fishing, you bring a screwdriver, a file, <laughs> two different types of screwdrivers, a small little saw, a scissors, a little two little blades, an awl, and a vice and a needle nose pliers, all separate. You uh, don't use a multi tool. Yeah, actually, this is a multi tool. I actually, though, for cheaper than a multi tool, I can go to Harbor Freight and buy a whole toolkit. To be honest, but then your pockets are full. Oh yeah, well, all right. <laughs> I mean, your multi tool is going to cost a hundred dollars. My twenty nine dollar toolkit. What are you drinking? <laughs> I, I think I talked maybe, about this before. Maybe the, show, maybe the season has gone. <laughs> this is bad tonight. All right. Uh, Shellbach Dark Beer. I've had this Shellbach. before. Shellbach. Shellbach. It's super good. I love it. I bought a 12-pack, and it's gone, and this is the last one. I'm going to buy another 12-pack. It's super good. Okay. Mm, I have a thing with Shell Beer right now. It's just my fave. Any Shell Beer. So, hmm. This is Shellbach Dark Lager. It is... There's another Bach beer. What's that? Um, There's lots of Bachs. I know. I had a Bach Friday night. Um, and then just the whole name, just Shinerbach. Shinerbach. That's from Texas. Yeah, Shinerbach. They have it on tap in a lot of places around here. You know, we, we drink Bach. I like Shinerbach. But we don't drink Mozart. I know. Just Bach. Just Bach. I think it's spelled differently. Uh, maybe. I don't know. You think Bach would have drank Bach? Maybe. Is he German? Is Bach German? Oh my God, we should know. This. <laughs> oh boy, our, Google it. Our, Google it right now. Is Bach German? We are, we are outside of our. Hey Google, it's my Google doesn't even want to work with me tonight. Hey Siri, 
Is Bach German? Yeah, he's German. German composer. Oh. So, is the beer named after the composer? I think it's... No, I don't think so. Is the composer named after a beer? Maybe. Oh, boy, this is deep. Well, how, how do you spell Bach on the European? It's B-O-C-A-K. I don't think Bach is spelled that way. No, Bach is spelled B-A-C-H. Oh, yeah. Different I think spelling. it's a whole different Bach. Could be just the American spelling. All right. I don't think that's... We were never going to get through the show if we don't move along. <laughs> Why is Bach Bach? Is this turning into the, like the Google show? I mean, we just... It might be, because we, we don't actually have any information <laughs> of our own to share. We're going to start doing chat GBT, and we're just going to have that do the show. We're going to have it answer questions. You won't even we know it's not that. us. <laughs> we should try that on the show. Like, ask chat GP fishing questions and see what it says. Like, what lure should I use in Malax? Yeah, let's do that. We should do that. Oh my We're going to do that. Oh That'd my. be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. What I didn't tell you this, actually. Um, I had Did chat... you drink that beer yet or you just waved No, it I already drank it. I already drank it. Oh, okay, good. Uh, I asked chat GPT to write me an ice fishing song, and it did. And it had a chorus, and it had verses. I mean, and it actually sounded like an ice fishing show, so... Or song. All right. So I'm going to tell you why Bach is named Bach. Okay, let's go. By the 1600s, it's an old beer. It was being brewed in the Munich area of South Germany. The name Edenbeck, I'm probably not pronouncing it right, was pronounced as Edenbach in the Bavarian accent of the region. And Enenbach means billy goat in German. Shortened to Bach, the name remains with us today as does the visual pun of a goat on the label. It's goat beer? It's you're drinking goat beer, man. Mine has a deer on it because that's shells. I don't know. Some sort of four legged critter, apparently. I mean, goat beer. Yeah, okay. Okay. Box sounds so way cooler this, than a goat. I know. So, this <laughs> chat GP stuff for people that might not follow world stuff is artificial intelligence, right? Yes. Is that what it is? Some sort of AI. It's AI. Program. His cons- can you, Jeff, can you just pull it up quick? Is that a th- I've never even tried. Is that a thing you can just pull up? So, you have to log into it um, and. Oh, okay. Actually, it's really popular, and the servers get really busy, and so sometimes it doesn't answer your questions. But I literally, and I will share it, I asked ChatGPT to write me an ice fishing song, and it did. And, I mean, it was like, if somebody sat down and wrote an ice fishing song, you would believe that a person did it. I mean, and I just said, write me an ice fishing song. That's crazy. But, yes, it consumes tons of data and then acts like a AI. So, yeah. Wow. So go try it out, ChatGPT. Very techie on the Hardwater Fishing Show today. <laughs> huh. Okay, well, we're going to have to... Maybe what we should do... Okay, next episode. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to ask for questions on Facebook. Or people can mail them in that have listened to the show before the yep. show comes out. And ask us fishing questions, and we'll ask ChatGP the question, and then we'll decide if we agree or disagree with ChatGP. With, with I like it. Artificial intelligence on the topic or not. Who's right? Us or chat? Who's right? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, we're right all the time. Of course. (laughs) What the heck would a computer know that we don't? It doesn't know about ice fishing. All right. So (laughs) we should probably move on again. We're never going to get through this show. And you were worried you wouldn't have enough content. I know. That's the way it always goes. meaningless yarns forever here on the (laughs) show. All right. So, patrons, uh, we thank all of our patrons for the support. Uh, Please, thank you. Yes. And, you know, I, I think we, we just talked about this before the show. You know, you don't have to be a... We want you to stay a patron forever, but, you know, sometimes people come and go, and that's okay. So, 
Um, you know, Absolutely. We appreciate, if you give us a donation for one month, we're super excited about that. So and Yeah, it keeps it. our wives happy. It's really about them. Yes. It's not about us. It's not about us. Yeah, no. Uh, but this week, the patron of the show is Wire Hair. So cheers to you, patron of the show. Cheers. Thank you for your support. With my goat beer. <laughs> Samuel Adams. Oh, Shell's Bach. All right. We've got old beers tonight, like old brands. Uh, Shell's Almost is the oldest old. brewery in, the, in Minnesota. It's like 1860s or something. Oh, cool. It's old. There's a story never dropped. Old for Minnesota. Yeah, not like German old. I mean, the German people are like, that's like yesterday. Yeah, it's <laughs> like new. It's not old. All right, show business. Uh, best way to interact with, uh, with us is on social media, Instagram and Facebook. You can find our website, hardwatershow.com. You can find us on YouTube and a new cool video that got published since we I last did. Run. I actually put something on YouTube. It, it was... You should watch it if you haven't. It's really good. And subscribe, because if we eventually get to 1,000 subscribers, we actually get monetized. So, Well, and you never know when I'm going to... It was stupid easy to put a video yeah, up. I know. Even you could know? do it. Even I <laughs> could do it. I literally, like, upload, post, or publish. I just yeah. hit two buttons, and it, there it was. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that I found that really easy. And and um, you can email us. If you, want, if, if you don't want to watch your YouTube, but you want to send us something, you can... Send us an email at hardwatershow at gmail.com. Or you can watch our YouTube and send us an email. That's fine. So that's what we got for show business. Um, I have no nothing, fact checks. nothing in the fact check department. Probably because yeah. it's been a couple weeks since we've... Or just we're that good. Yeah, I'm going to go with we're that good. We're that good. Yeah. Like we just sit here and spout truth. <laughs> about ice fishing. <laughs> about ice fishing. I mean, the good thing <laughs> about ice fishing and fishing... And even that, some of that's questionable. But it, I mean... If, the good thing about People ice fishing, though, Jay, is that, yeah. um, you know, there's not any, like, absolutes, right? Like, if, I mean, you could say the craziest thing about ice fishing. It might just work. So it's hard to be wrong. There are some absolutes in ice fishing. Well, you have to drill a hole. Typically, you want to be on the opposite side of the ice as the fish until you catch them. There you go. That's an absolute. Yeah, you're only going to last a few minutes if you're on the wrong side of the ice. <laughs> You want to stay on the top side of the ice. All right. Well, so stay on the top side. That's our recommendation. All right. So we'll move on to listener news. And um, before we jump into that, I, I did get a interesting thought. So I was talking to, I occasionally talk to people who go, oh, yeah, I was somewhere and heard your show. So uh, one of my neighbors knows that I have a podcast, right? And we were out on an outing this on Saturday. He goes, yeah, so... We were in. We were listening to the radio, and here's your podcast about ice fishing on the radio when we're driving around. So just randomly. Why was it on the radio? Because he was listening to it in the radio. He was a just in the car. But how did it just randomly come on? He was playing it in the car, and the neighbor was oh. in the car with him. Oh. And he goes, I'm... "That's my neighbor." <laughs> Okay, I'm I lost the whole. Thing. I might have told it really badly, but but I, I was trying to <laughs> skip over parts to make sure everybody's still anonymous, right? But got it. But my yeah, my neighbor. We were at this outing, and um, he Cub Scouts. We're at Boy Scouts. Cub Scouts. The Boy Scouts now. So we're at Boy Scouts, and we were um, talking, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I got into the car, and your podcast was." on. And he's like, "Yeah, he likes ice fishing." So. 
So, oh, cool. And what 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 he didn't know he was his neighbor. So my neighbor's got it. Friend listens to the podcast. So thank you, neighbor, neighbor friend. All right. Um, so did you see this picture about Tubuli Jay? I did. That is super cool. And we got that from a listener, right? Up north fishing, kayak fishing. Yeah, so he fishes Mille Lacs a lot. Remember earlier this mm-hmm. year where I said I saw this poor guy crawling across the broken ice? And yeah, then that's I, this And guy. then he called and said, hey, that was me. That's this guy. So I need to hook up with him and and go out fishing because I don't really know how to catch these things on Mille Lacs. And you can't fish for other things this time of year. And there's still three feet ice out there. So Yeah, so he's using... A- so he's fishing tulabies. Yep. And which I didn't even know were in Malax, but that makes sense. Um, I would call it a white fish. A white fish. Even though I know there's differences between different kinds of those fish, yeah. but I would call it a white fish. To, to me, yeah, I would agree. Um, super fun to target. Uses a flutter spoon with a flash on it. Um, well, down to a panfish jig with a waxy, apparently. These are the things that we fished at Vermilion, weren't they? When they yes. like they come from like way up and then all of a sudden dive down like a rocket and then dive back up. They are go back up. Super aggressive. Like super fast. And super fast. They f- swim in and out, um, but you need to smoke them if you keep them. And they're they're oily. It's a stinky yes. oily fish. We cooked them in oil and it was not good, in my opinion. Did we try that? Yes, we did. Not we it, shouldn't have done that. It was not good. Yeah. But I've heard they smoke in the smoker very well. And I don't know what the regs are on these right now. The regs are just make sure you know what you're doing. I don't even know what they are. <laughs> you know, they, they're changing quickly, I feel like, and make sure you know what you're keeping. Yeah, always know your regs. Yeah, because they change, I mean, daily, it seems like. so. And depends on what water you're on. I mean, yep. we're talking sometimes Minnesota water, Iowa water, North Dakota water, Wisconsin. Yep. So just always know your own regs and... I mean, very recently, fish like this would have been considered, like, um, almost a rough, fish. a rough fish. Yes, and now. But that's I don't know changing. that that's the case anymore. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. Yep. Go- so Kevin sent in a huge perch. Fifteen incher. Fifteen inch perch. That is a beautiful perch. God, it's like holy cow. It's, it's like you know how we always talk about I'm a pillow with legs. This is like a pillow with fins. <laughs> it is kind of a pillow with fins. Like, it's really big and fat in the middle and really pretty, but it's it's like it got a tiny little tail and a tiny little mouth in this giant midsection. Yeah, so remember when we were... So this is... Um, where's Ke- Did Kevin tell us where he was from? Um, see a pine tree in the background. Yeah, I don't that. remember. Is that a Canadian flag I'm seeing? Yeah, I think so. Canada? He might be I think in he's Manitoba. from Canada. Yeah. Manitoba? I think yeah. so. But do you remember when we were talking talking with uh, Jason Mitchell? He's talking about the mouths on a perch. Yeah. Kind of based on theory. uh, But, you know, the picture of him holding it looks like it's got a pretty good-sized mouth on it. I think the mouth looks small because the fish is big. I think that's it. Yeah. So we'll get this picture out there. And I know we've been slacking on pictures a little bit, but we'll, we'll get these pictures out. We really have. I mean, I feel like there's going to be a photo dump of lots of pictures coming up here. There probably will be. Yeah, it's probably going to happen. Definitely. You want to take the next one there, Jeff? Yeah, so Nevada Dave, uh, he sent in this nice uh, small walleye that he caught in... Uh, Let's call it an eater walleye instead yeah, of a small walleye. It's, 
Well, it's nice almost, cedar. it's actually like, if you look at the thing, it's kind of hard to tell exactly, but it looks like it's close to 18, but it, it looks smaller than 18 to me. So Yeah, I would say... Looks like a know, 15 it, to me. Yeah, it looks like a 15. Yeah. We'll give him a 17 and a 16 and a half. So he said Nevada Day, so he uses fishes in Utah, but this is a nice walleye he caught. So Yeah, it's a great eater. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. We really appreciate it. We, we saw one or two of those when we were on Lake of the Woods, Jay. We did. We're going to talk about that later. Yeah. Right? We've been slacking on that. Yeah, really slacking. John B., not ice fishing. Well, John, but I appreciate you sending us a fish picture. Got the boat out in Michigan. He's on a boat in Michigan. Holy crap. Nice walleye, though. 24 and a half. That's stout. The only place there's water like that in Minnesota is, like, if it's moving. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see this last one. I, you can't see it because it's a video, but we'll we'll okay. post this. He said I can post this. Um, we'll just say he caught a pike and something else, too, so you'll have to watch the video. He caught a pike and then, you know, somebody else's pole. <laughs> well, you just told them what they caught now. Well, but... Now they don't have to watch the video. They're going to watch Probably it. Probably know it could have been, like, a Volkswagen bug or something. Oh, uh, yeah. Could have been... Transformers, yes. Raccoon. I mean, it could have been anything. My gosh. I almost ran over a possum. Pretty sure it's a possum. I don't know. Do we have possums in Minnesota? I don't know. Oh, yeah. There's possums. But they think they'd be sleeping. It's really weird for them to be out hanging around in a snowbank. Right? Well, I was driving home. I picked up my one of my kids from the movies, and I was driving kids home from the movies. You know, you see pick up and drive them home. In the middle of the road, there's this giant rat-looking thing. Some, well, it could have been a rat. But it was real big. It was like bigger than a raccoon. They get big. They, well, not that big, but they get big. And it had a weird tail. It was weird looking. It, I almost hit it. But it stared at me. It didn't run away when I. Yeah. Did it play possum? <laughs> oh my gosh! Play possum. <laughs> God. Oh, I think the... four people just turned. We just lost like a dozen <laughs> listeners. It just blew out there. their ears with my laughing. Just... He's gone. We're done. <laughs> okay. Now. We're done. All right. So All right. so now that we've got through our kind of standard stuff, we, we want to talk a little bit about our, our Lake of the Woods trip, right, Jay? Yeah. So we did our annual hard water invitational trip that we do with our uh, with uh, Northwood Daves and Ole and then uh, my Uncle Ron. And we, and we decided this was year 24 of that. I think that's after some debate and math. Math we came is up hard. With year 20. <laughs> math is hard. <laughs> We came up with the year 24 that we've been doing this trip. It's consecutive years, um, not always to the same place, and uh, we've never missed a year, which is an amazing feat in itself. If you think about all the things that change in it people's lives in 24 years. And so it's certainly something we all value. Um, this year we went back to Lake of the Woods. We've gone there a couple, several times over the years to my Uncle Ron's um, cabin on the Lake of the Woods, and we had some just awesome fishing. and. In years past, we've tried to do kind of a wrap-up from location. We didn't get that done this year, so we're just going to talk about the trip. So, sorry to Northwoods Dave and Ollie. We we texted you, and apparently since it's 9 o'clock, you guys are both sleeping. However, <laughs> Jeff and I are still, you know, grinding it out here, getting, getting work done while you guys just snore and snuggle. Not with each other, with your wives. But, um <laughs> Not there's anything wrong with that. But, you know. Yes. <laughs> that was a Seinfeld episode. I know. Um, so anyway, we'll let's talk about that trip a little bit, Jeff. Any highlights for you? It 
Where do you want to start? Oh my gosh, where do we start? So so we yeah go ahead. I would say first for me, and and I'll maybe let you reflect a little bit. But for me, there's a reason we've gone back here many times. Absolutely. I mean, the worst day on this lake is the best day on every other lake you've ever been to. And I a mean, lot of times. I mean, yeah. the best day, right? There's not many places you can go. Lake of the Woods is, in my opinion, a special place, right? Like, I mean, I fish Mille Lacs a lot, and that's a really good lake, but it, it's it's like 10x. Like, you're like 10x yeah. when you go to Lake of the Woods. It's just, the fishing's so good. I love, now we're on the Canada side, so it's very mm-hmm. different than the U.S. Very side. I've fished both sides. Absolutely. It, it's like... It's like you're in another country. <laughs> maybe you are. <laughs> maybe you are. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I love about Canada is like it's very remote. We fish it with snowmobiles and portables. And and actually this time we saw a bunch of people out there, which most weekends well, we wouldn't see. Well, a bunch by standards that we're used to for the lake. By other standards, hardly anybody. Well, we saw four people. Like we saw like four people. <laughs> The trouble is they happen to be where we wanted to go. Well, there's not a lot of secrets, it seems, out there. No, there are no secrets anywhere. So, to Jeff's point, you know, we, the thing, part of the magic is just the way you do it. So, you get up there and we hop on snowmobiles and our first fishing spot the first day was probably, what, it's about six miles from the camp. And so, you just, you know, you get to take in all the scenery and it's the islands and and the lake and the sky and it, it's just gorgeous. Um, and you don't see tracks. You don't see people. We went seven miles and saw nothing but woods and water. Till we got to where we wanted to be, and then we found people. Well, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> not that day. There was nobody there the first day. No, there was, there was no there. one the first day. There was nobody there the first day, and uh, it's just it's just nothing like you ever experience anywhere. And um, and the opportunity. Shout out to my Uncle Ron for, for letting us utilize his place and coming along and guiding us, essentially. Um, he fishes the water all through the winter, so he, he has a pretty good milk run of spots to try and, and spots to, to maybe explore, and, and so it certainly pays some dividends. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how, to your point, um, if we just went out there and picked a spot, I'm sure we wouldn't do as good, right? I mean... I'm hoping we'd figure something out, but it certainly helps to have a guide. Well, yeah, and 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 Ron's not an official guide, no. obviously, but but um, certainly as good as any, I think. Yes, I would agree. Um, I think the the thing that we sometimes struggle with on these trips, and anybody will, is regardless of how much you know about fishing, to look at a lake and take three days never having been on a lake, and be very productive is difficult mm-hmm. I mean because we go to lakes that we've never fished in the summer never been on in the winter and you pick three days often for us out of January and February and and try to look at a map and you just kind of go back to conventional wisdom so you don't know all the intricacies of that water and and that's difficult and yep. so what we benefit on Lake of the Woods is that institutional knowledge that Ron has from fishing that lake all the time. And then now we've gone there several times, so we kind of are getting to get our own little milk run in our yep. heads of, hey, we we remember this work five years ago or two years ago really well again, and you start putting it together. So it's really that repeated 
repeated fishing yep. of an area. And, and you know, I know we've talked about history can get you in trouble sometimes, but it seems like yeah. on Lake of the Woods, we haven't gotten in trouble with having a, being stuck in our spots. I mean, it's... it's No, but, you know, we're not afraid to move either. No. You know, we, we didn't... Did we ever fish? We fished one spot night and morning. But other than that, we moved. Like, we never yeah. fished the same water twice. You're right. Even though we were so. caught a ton of fish in each spot. Yeah. Well, some fish. I guess some it. fish spots were better than others. Well, some but. spots were slower than others. Um, but sometimes size was a difference. Yeah. Not a lot of volume, but there was a particular spot, Jeff. Maybe yeah. you can share with us. Not the spot, but the, what the vol- that the size was. That that kind of the story kind of set the stage for the day, maybe on that. Fish. Yeah, because that was our first day, right? Day one. It was our first full day, because we had fished the evening on okay. Thursday. So that that was uh, on Friday. Friday, yeah. So uh, our first full day fishing, because day when we got up there, we left at like five in the morning, even though I didn't want to get up there early. We got yeah, up there and fished the evening. Wine in the whole way. <laughs> but then uh, the next day, we did not get up early, right? We just kind of nope, got up whenever we got up. Had breakfast. Got up. Very annoying. Yeah, by the way. Very n- annoying. not the Jason's vibe. And no, I got up. We, yeah, but you didn't go fishing. You. I did not. You cooked for us. I did. I cooked <laughs> breakfast for all of you. Yeah. So so we go out to the first spot, right? And and. Like we said, we have some milk runs or some spots you go to, but, you know, this was, I wouldn't say this was like, it was just a spot, right? I mean, people have caught fish there before. Um, we were catching small, some small ones and small being like, what, 10, 12 inches, something like that. I mean, yeah, a lot of saugers and, and stuff, a lot of little saugers and kind of a slow day towards, I would say it was towards the night bite, right? It wasn't really at dusk because dusk, night comes early on Lake of the Woods. At least the fish shut off real early. It's not even when the sun goes down. It's even before that that the fish really kind of chill out. But mm-hmm. it was about that time, I would say, I mean, we have 4 o'clock, maybe 5 o'clock, probably somewhere between 4 and 5 o'clock. And I had been all day switching lures because nothing was really working. I tried a drop chain, you know, kind of the perch talker we've used, went to something bigger. But I finally went to my go-to on Lake of the Woods, which is a glow perch. Now... Yep, we've had glow perch, buckshot glow perch. We've had some debate whether there's kind of a lot of variations of glow perch, even though we call it glow perch. It was a lighter glow perch. I mean, they have lots of variations, but anyways, it's a buckshot, and it's not. It's like the eighth ounce ones, so it's not the smallest ones. It's not the biggest, the quarter size ones. It's the eighth ounce ones, and it has glow and it has noise. So yep. I'm, I'm jigging, 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 and we've had a slow day. And I see a flat, you know, real quick on my flasher, I see a fish come up and it hits it. And, I mean, it hits it. <laughs> you know, it, it's not a sauger. So uh, when we when we catch big fish, I was fishing with Northwoods Dave. Jason and Ole were fishing in the other shack. And Ron's in the third shack is how we were fishing. And usually when you get a big one on, um, it's kind of a team effort, right? I mean, you're not going to... A big fish, you're not going to just going to pull out of the hole with your line right like well, 15 you can and, but and ice so we were sitting on what two and a half inches of ice two and a half feet of ice oh yeah thick and thick ice. probably another eight inches of snow there's, there's a lot yep. of snow yep really hard packed snow yep so there was quite 
a distance to get a fish up a hole and then onto the ice. And and I mean, we were at the extent of what a ice auger will do without more extensions. I mean, we would not drill in the snowdrift because we couldn't get through to the ice. Yeah, so on, on Ole's Ion, yep. you had to kick the snow out of the way, otherwise it'd pop the battery. Yep, exactly. So, so idea. thick, thick ice, and we all elected to bring 8-inch augers. We did. For weight or whatever, we're like, ah, we don't need those big augers. You know, the big augers, they take more juice to drill holes, and it's three feet thick, and that just takes a lot of the time. So Correct. so I got, I'm got i into this this walleye, and you know, the whole, every time you catch a big walleye, you're like, is it a northern or a walleye? Because the big, big walleyes and a northern, I mean, they fight different, but like those big fish just are so different to catch than a 17-inch walleye, right? Well, and I think it, I think it though, Jeff, if I can interject, yeah. it's because you want it to be a big walleye. Yes. And so you don't want to, like, you're like trying to figure it out. And there's always that hint of doubt that maybe, maybe it is just, just a northern. Right. But maybe it's a northern, not a monster wall. Yeah. So I'll just say, and I'll, now I'm going to shut up and let you tell the rest of your story. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah. So, so again, back to the assist. So usually you got two guys in a shack. When you get into a good one, um, the other guy reels up his line, right? So Northwoods Dave reels up his line. Well, first he has a, uh, that was my fish and I should have caught it. And after they get over that, right? Like after they get over that, um, he reels up his line and then he will pull your your transducer out of the hole, right? So they get that scenario out of the way. And then kind of help you get that fish out of the hole because you're, you're just not going to horse it up, right? And I'm pretty sure it's a big one. And Dave looks down the hole. And he's like, oh, it's got to be a northern. He's like, it's a northern. And I think he's wishing it's a northern. And I look down the hole and I just see this giant eyeball staring back up me, at me up the hole, right? All I see is this big eye, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a giant, right? And so we couldn't get the head turned because we have an eight-inch hole, and the fish fought and fought and fought, but eventually it got kind of tired. But it was they don't want to come straight up, they want to lay sideways, right? So I'm staring at this eyeball. But you're scared to yank too hard, right? Because you don't want to break your line. And so finally, I'm like, well, I'm going to have to pull because it's not going to magically turn its head up the hole. And we get it up, and I pull it up, and it is a giant walleye. So How, how giant, Jeff? It was 29, my new personal best walleye. So, and it was not a skinny 29. No, it was a giant. It was fat. So we took some pictures quick and put... Probably her. I don't know. I don't know how to yeah. tell, but put put them back in the lake for uh, future reference, but for future catching. But those fish are like old. I mean, they're like teenagers, aren't they? I mean, a fish that big, I think, isn't it? Oh, teens. they're they're old and they're yeah, they're not good eaters. No, yeah, we weren't going to keep it. The only reason you keep it is to hang it on your wall. We took yeah. some pictures. I always talk about getting my twenty eight and a half mounted, and now I've gotten a twenty nine. So I don't know. Maybe someday I'll get a replica made, but. Um, it's always awesome to catch a big fish like that, right? I mean, it's not something that happens very often. And no, and it's happened to me twice in Lake of the Woods, if that makes you understand how good of a fishery it is. <laughs> and we didn't go back to that spot again because we didn't want it to happen again. Yeah, we didn't fish there because we didn't catch very many no, fish. No. So. Nope. It was pretty slow except for that big hog. Yeah, that was a big one, though. So, But, Jason, you did catch a big fish in that spot. 
Not in that same spot. Yeah, that was the same day. No. Well, well, I mean, you can tell that story. I'm pretty sure it was the same day, but we can disagree. But anyways, it was either well, the first... I caught, I caught that dead in the morning. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that was the very first night out. Yeah. We're talking about the crappie. Yeah. Yeah. So tell about that. That's... Yeah. I'll, there I was, minding my own business, and I caught a fish. <laughs> okay. How about a few more details and why it's... Impressive. I, don't know, I was a little surprised about it. So I, I caught a fit. I reeled it up. I thought, okay, it's a nice, decent little walleye on, you know. And I, I pull it up, and, and it was a crappie. It was a nice crappie. It was 14-inch crappie, which is, you know, is a nice size crappie for Lake of the Woods. And it was actually the biggest one I've ever caught. I've caught 13, 13 and a half. It stuff was like huge. That. But I, I've never caught a 14-inch. A huge mouth. It looked big to me. It, it looked bigger than I had ever seen a crappie. And I've... It was it was wide. It was hefty. We have a, some pictures of it. We'll put them up. But it was it was not a skinny 14 again. It was kind of a nice dinner plate um, 14. And we did keep that. And it is going to get eaten. It's in my freezer right now. But the, the interesting thing about the... Crappie, how many crappies have you caught in the five or six times we've been up there? Um, I have caught crappies. Oh, really? I caught a couple, yeah. Oh. Um, but not with you. Yeah, okay. Um, it was an, another trip, but actually, interestingly enough, in March. Maybe that's a March thing, because I've yeah, never caught, caught a crappie there. We caught them over um, previously um, with Mark, my Uncle Mark okay. and Uncle Ron, over by Not Dave's Island. Oh, by Not Dave's Island. Interesting. Yeah. No, yep. hey... Um, or is it Dave's Island? Uh, no, it's renamed. Dave's Sandbar. It Dave got Sandbar renamed. Mall. So, yeah. so uh, why didn't why wasn't Dave Northwoods Dave was not allowed to name his own spot? There was a reason, and I don't know why, but we called it not Dave's Island. I think only Ron gets to name the spots. But this weekend he picked that not Dave's Island, and we caught fish there. So he was allowed to now name that spot. Yeah, we had a really good evening there one yeah. evening. We yeah. caught a whole bunch of nice eaters there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, other than that, I caught a 24, the, the second biggest walleye we caught, which was a really nice yeah. walleye again. Um, you know, nothing to complain about. A 24-inch walleye is very no. nice. No, um, Again, very healthy. And then, uh, Jay, you had one other kind of notable catch while we were up there. I, I did. It was a lot of fun. Um, so it was a morning bite, and we ended up, I think we kind of come up on a new strategy, yeah. which I'm going to try to memorialize, is we go out in the morning, and then... Is that not Jason's of, strategy? Not Jason's not Jason strategy. <laughs> but, you know, what we find a lot of times is out there from 10 to 3 is just slowish. You know, but you want to be out there a reasonable time to kind of get set up and, and have a good spot. So we found it's pretty productive from sunrise till about 9, 30, 10. So we started doing the last several days is we would get up early, which is hard for this. Crew. It's hard. It's hard for me. Coffee. Time to get coffee and poop. It's like an hour and a half <laughs> process. Well, you, it's kind of a cycle, a vicious cycle there. Like coffee, yeah. bathroom, coffee, I know. Bathroom, it's just coffee, like you don't bathroom. get coffee until you're out in the ice and you can poop on the ice if you want. No, that's what you're anyway, trying to avoid at all costs. No, I'm just telling you, it, it takes them forever. But got them all out the door. So this was a morning a morning bite and we were pretty close to calling it I think and um, you know I had one of them really nice hits where you you see something come in set the hook and the rod doesn't come up it just boom yeah. there it is and it, 
and it took off and acted very, very much like a northern. I was pretty convinced it wasn't a walleye. Didn't know, but you know, my heart of hearts, I, I think it, I felt it was a northern. It took off and it ran and it ran and um, was really, my pole was pretty much given it all it could do. And then um, all of a sudden I heard Dave yell that he had one on it. I'm like, damn it. And then Je- and then he like, so I'm like, I'm thinking, we're not, our shacks aren't that far apart. I'm like, Dave, I think it's my fish that you're on to. Can you drop the line? He's like, no. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> not like, dropping I my could line. Feel, I could feel something change in the fish I was fighting, like it was tied up in something. And then finally, I think he let it go, but I didn't know if he'd let it go. So I'm still fighting this fish, but part of in my head, I'm like, I don't even know if I even have a fish anymore, right? For all I know, it's gotten off and Dave has the end of my lure, yeah. my line, and he's pulling on it and just jacking it. Right. So I have no idea. So I'm kind of like losing hope and kind of getting less interested in what's going Well, remember, on. I was helping you. I had gotten out of the shack. I know. And my, yeah. my rod was also catching your fish. Remember yeah. in Dave... It, it, I had my rod because I had walked over to help you with your situation in your hole because you had a big fish on, and then yeah. and then it got my line too. I don't even know how he got those off. I don't know how you get those well, off. I mean, I know. Anyways, I don't know what happened, but I and so then you were there, but I think I was telling him like I think Dave's messing. With yeah, him. and I gave up because I would be messing with Dave. Like yeah. if I had his line yeah. and I thought he was next door fighting a fish, I would mess with him. As long as I could, and I just mean that out of love. So I would, and, and I know. Well, this tells you how too. long you fought this fish because we've. This it, is like what, this didn't happen in a minute. On, this is going on no, over time, right? I it mean, went on for a long time, yeah. and finally Dave shows up, and I'm like, oh well, Dave's here now. So clearly, he's done that. My fish house anymore. open, and his house is open. So no, okay, there. This is a fish. It's still here. And uh, so I went back to paying a little bit more attention to what I was doing, and then it just stopped. It just stopped. Like, the pressure was there. There, I couldn't pull the fish anymore. And I wasn't, I had enough line out. I knew it wasn't on the bottom of the ice. And I, I took my hand, and I, I felt the line in, you know, it's six-pound mono. And I fished with that enough to know where, where that feels when it's at the breaking, because I've got enough snags in my life. Like I can't put any more pressure on this, and so and this goes to another story. So the night, bef- the first night out when I caught that nice crappie, yeah, a little bit before that, Sean Oli had a nice fish on, which I believe was a northern, yeah, and and it ran and it ran and it ran and it came to the same conclusion that I was at that very moment, where nothing was happening. But every once in a while, you could feel it pull a little bit, so but you couldn't pull it. I'm still convinced in both cases, Jason. You thought you were caught in something. I think the fish had more leverage than you, and it just decided it wasn't going to move. I disagree, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Well, we can disagree, but that's why I think. So, well, I know I'm right, and that's what matters. So, <laughs> Sean increased pressure because we didn't know what else to do, or he didn't know. I mean, we didn't. It was yeah. the first time we were kind of in it. And eventually it broke. The line broke. And we talked after that. We're like, what else could have done? Because his yeah. belief and my belief is that the ro- the fish had snagged itself around a rock. And by pulling, you're trying to pull that big fish back around a rock. Not snagged in the sense of, like, if you're in a boat, you wouldn't even have known it. Right. But since you were stationary, think of like hitching around a tree. Yeah. That fish wasn't going to come back around. Yeah. So you just didn't have enough leverage. 
and the line was too, too, you know, a six pound test, you couldn't horse it. So I think, were you there with me? And I'm like, I'm going to drop the rod yeah, tip. I was I'm there. Let pressure. I'm going to let, I'm going to do the opposite of what you should do. Yes. I'm going to put the rod down and I'm going to take slack in the line. And then I'm going to gently pull back up and still, if I still got the fish. I mean, you, I you let line go flat. Like it was no tension on the complete, line whatsoever. Complete flat. The, the thing you would tell every person that's ever fished never to never do. do it. Never do it. And I thought, but this is the only thing I can do. This is it. This is because I held it there for a while just with tension. Yep. Rod completely yep. bent. Nothing happening. Like, like something else had to change. And so I dropped the rod tip and I pulled it back up and it was on again. Right. Fish was back on and moving. And then we were able to slowly get it back. I mean, after a lot, a couple more runs. This took, what, 20 minutes? I mean, it was yeah, a long it was time. About 20 minutes. Because I'm fishing with uh, with an old, with a medium light 26 inch, 28 inch fishing yeah. rod. So I don't have a lot of leverage on that size of a fish. In my opinion, it made me feel like sometimes we should have heavier tackle when we go to Lake of the Woods. I know, but how much fun was that? It was. But. I, I know. agree. I mean, yeah. you could fish with a yardstick and it wouldn't be as much fun. Um, but I, I still think a little more leverage wouldn't hurt you in, with this fish. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have. So the fish starts coming up the hole and my buddy Jeff did what? I'm like, Dave wants to pull this fish out of the hole. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff looked at that fish and thought, I'm not sticking my hand mm -hmm. down there. And so Dave, ended, I think it was Dave ended up assisting me, did he not? Well, I think I kind of left for a while because I'm like, I don't know what this is. Like, I went away yeah, from, and then Dave came back, away. and Dave took his shirt off so he didn't have to get his sweatshirt wet, yep. and stuck his hand down the hole. And now you can't reach all the way down the hole because it's three feet of ice. But somehow, no, but gave, gave me an assist, did yes. what you should do, yes. and took and took just did it, yes, and, and helped pull it out, yes. So this fish wasn't like it was 33 inch northern. Which is not the longest northern in the world. But, man, that thing is fat. It, it was a huge fish. Like, it was... I mean, we'll get a picture again. But, like, it was tall. Like, thick. Like, just... It yeah. Was a, it, that was one I wish we would have weighed or got a girth on. Yeah. Because the length didn't... The pictures do it justice, I think. But the, the, uh, the length of it... Um, yeah. Because we've certainly seen longer ones come out. But, man, that thing was fat. I know. And it, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was hard with the pictures of the one, my 29. You know, you, we were fishing in our shacks, and it was a super bright, sunny day. So you yeah. take a quick picture, and your eyes look like they're closed because it's like you want to get it outside and get the fish in there, but the light is so bright. So well, my like, eyes always look like they're yeah. closed. But yours looked better. My your pictures look my better. My natural state of being yeah. is my squinty eyes. So I, I will say, besides the one, it was an awesome fish, and it was made that morning, really. I mean, because that morning oh, yeah. was a little slow, too. Well, no, that morning was okay, I guess. No, we were catching good yeah, fish, right. but they all shut off. That's they shut right. off completely, and then that northern, right. well, that, we find that a lot. I mean, that northern that, could eat a 10-inch walleye. <laughs> it was a big fish. The same thing happened the following night. Um, Ole caught, yeah. what, a 29-inch yeah. northern? Yeah. I think it was 28 or 29. Yeah. And it was a really nice fish, too, yeah. and... And if you remember, Jeff, when I went to help Sean, I also put my arm all the way down the hole mm. and got, I mean, that's just, Jeff needs a little work on, on his. Uh, I'll pull any walleye over the hole. Those northerns, his, they get uh, a little, uh, I need a glove. Just, I need a chainmail no, glove or you something. You just got to go, you got to go yeah. in on the right side of their head so you don't get eaten. Hit. 
Heaton. So the other thing I would say, even if you go with the fun light rod, um, when I am on Lake of the Woods, so I'm Malax. I'm going to interrupt you because I need to go back to a point, and then we'll come back. So Jeff, your point was that because you weren't sitting in the shack with me, no, Holy was that that fish was just sitting on the bottom, and I yeah. couldn't move it. Yeah. I stripped about 30 yards of line off that rod. Okay. Because everywhere, almost along that whole length of line, up till it was all it was all uh, abraded. Oh. It was all chewed up Hmm, almost all the way. So that that fish, yeah, it was, I Hmm. believe firmly, because we're fishing off that rock point. Yeah. I believe that fish dived down towards deeper water and it hitched itself around a boulder. And then there you are. Sure. So, and that was on a, what was the spoon I had on? Oh, that was on a little slab seeker crappie spoon. Yeah, I need to get some of those. Dave, Dave uses those slab seekers. That was like, just, I mean, that's a small treble hook. Yeah, Dave likes those slab, those slab seekers do really good up there. Yeah, they do. Okay, now we're on to you, I'm done. Oh, I was going to tell you, so, thing about line, and something that I would do differently if I was you next time that I did this time. Um, when I'm on Mille Lacs, so I've been fishing with braid just because I know I think it's more durable. Just been doing it. It kind of sucks when it's really cold outside because it kind of freezes up. But other than that, it, I, I, it's, I find it superior from, uh, in most ways besides the freeze up part. But when I'm on Mille Lacs, I put a floral leader because Mille Lacs is very clear water. And so the fish pay more attention to that. Lake of the Woods is a very stained dark lake. And you can Correct. run braid, and the fish don't care. Um, I run straight braid all the way to my line, and when you get those big northerns on and you get the big walleyes, you have a little more confidence in your line not breaking versus mono. It's the same pound. It's six-pound test. It's not super heavy, but it's, it's, it's. I don't know. I like running braid, especially up there. I tell you, every time I've moved away from mono, I've had regrets. Yeah. <laughs> And so maybe it's old dog, new trick scenario, but um, I got new mono um, put on those before I came up to Lake of the Woods, um, spooled on, and and it's just the performance works for me. And yeah, I just I've tried to I've tried different stuff, and yeah. it just never works. I don't know. I I like the floral, and on Clear Lakes with the or I'm sorry the the braid and then the floral with the spinner, but on Lake of the Woods I just run the braid. I will also say. For what it's worth, that with with a leader, yes. you now have introduced another knot into the equation. Yeah, yeah. And if you run a barrel, a little swivel like yeah. I think you do, don't yeah, you? I do. You've now introduced two more knots. Yeah. Into the the lineup, and Are you cons- that means I that means I would have needed to tie three consecutive knots <laughs> in the same situation without error. Yes. And without making it weaker. I gotcha. That that may have caused me to lose a fish yeah. and so maybe it's maybe i have some trust issues with my own ability yeah maybe and and it i could be. And, you know we did a whole episode of knots and i should be using the <laughs> I know. knot i'm still using the same but I still use a stupid, well because it's hard to see it and you're just yeah i know that's the knot and actually the 29 i caught i also had a quick clip on there like little quick snaps Ooh. it all held up it was totally fine for yeah. a 29 inch walleye so just to say and yeah, I know. When when I saw that hole or eight inch hole, and it ran long enough, I could see the line was creating grooves in the ice in the bottom of the hole. Ooh, I nice. was very happy that I had 
Because you can't control that fish. You, you know, it's no. going to go sideways. It's going to go sideways. There's nothing you can do. And maybe that's where the abrasions on my line were coming from, was from the ice. It could have been. Because I could see it was digging into the sides of the bottom of the hole when it would run sideways. Oof. And that's where I'm like, that braid gives me that extra, like, I mean, you still never know. You can break it, but that braid is like, I mean. It's pretty tough stuff. Yeah. Anyways, so. So it was a great so those week. Are, those are the highlights, though, right? I mean, it was great fishing, great time. Yeah. So you won what award did you get there, Jeff? Yeah, so we have certain awards on the show. We do. And um, I came home with a trophy. It came home, the largest walleye of the trip, um, really of any trip <laughs> ever for that I've been on with anybody. So uh, we got that. And then we also have kind of a like best angler, and I got that because I got the two biggest walleyes, and I probably caught... And you- a lot of fish every day. I mean, and I, I would say you had your hustle on. Yeah, that trip. yeah. You were energized. Like last night, I'm just I like drilled a hole and I sat. Yeah, but I was catching good fish. Yeah. You know, I, I caught fish, and so I was real happy. Jeff was like pounding it out, man. He was out there drilling holes and moving and walking. It was a beautiful day. We had some gorgeous weather. I think for three days we pretty much sat outside. <clears throat> no, two days. The first day was super windy. It would have been great if it wasn't. And that's one thing I loved about there, too. Like, the weather was awesome. So we were it outside. Was. I love being outside. I like being, this can sound really weird, but, like, close to the ice. You know, in my wheelhouse, I have a great time. People come up. But you feel very disconnected from from the sure. outdoors. You know, like, I mean, it's great. And if it's 20 below, you're going to feel disconnected from the outdoors because Absolutely. it's 20 yeah. below outside. But on a nice day, I love being able to be outside with my auger and my rod and a couple minnows and just trolling around, looking for spots, looking for fish. I don't know. It's 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 my warm, happy place. I mean, I got a suntan. I came home and Aaron's like, "What were you tanning?" I'm like, "We were outside the whole time." I, I got you know. I, 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 I was at a meeting after after the trip. <clears throat> One of the ladies I work with goes, "Gosh, what beach did you go to?" I said Canada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I came home pretty tanned up too. But it, it was. I mean, I just I just love being outside and. Oh, it's awesome. The calm and the sorry, I'm getting way off subject here, but the, no, the, this is a you know you're out there. There's not many people. You hear, you know, you're kind of. It's not quite like deer hunting, but you know, it's like there's not a lot going on. Nature kind of forgets about you a little bit. I don't know. It, I I just really like it. Yeah, that's the reason we do what we do. Yeah, that's you need a trip like that sometimes and invigorate you after some tough fishing outings. So. Absolutely, yeah, it's been kind of a tough year um, overall success wise. So it was nice to end for me at least on a happy note. That was my last outing for the year. Uh, I think I'm still going to get out still, Jay. I think next. Well, Sunday. it's good. You should. There's still like nine thousand feet of ice there where is. you live. Um, I'm thinking about my boat comes out here in a week and a half, so. I'm going to might take her up to the river and do some fishing. At my house, you better have skates on that boat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's still ice fishing in northern Iowa, up Okaboji, Clear Lake. I mean, they're still out there, yeah. but um, I'm done where I'm at because I just don't I don't have anything else in the schedule. So, Well, what do you think? Should we talk? Should we get on to our topic, or do we got more to go? No, on? I think we're good. I mean, I think you could be ice fishing till July at the rate we're going, but I'm guessing that won't I know. be the case. I but... could talk about Lake of the Woods till July. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Anyways, but yes, I, I do think we should move on after one hour of, I don't know, I just, I get so excited about that trip. It's such a great time and there's so much history there and 
we have so much, you know, we did so well this year, so it's it's hard to stop talking, but I, I think we should move on to our subject. It, I tell you what, it it's um, it's one of my favorite trips for, for sure. Yep. For sure. So up next, we have uh, a conversation with the USA ice fishing team, Ben Blegan and Nick Schertz. And both Ben and Nick are part of that USA ice fishing team. We'll be talking to them. But those guys also do like a ton of other things. So they both are experts in all types of fishing and do tournament stuff. And Yeah, I'm guessing that they know more than I ever oh will. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was, we want to thank them wholeheartedly for spending some time with us. And so um, enjoy the conversation. Today on the Hardwater Fishing Show, we have Ben Blagan and Nick Schertz from the USA Ice Fishing Team. Thanks for joining the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on. Awesome. And, and this is one of the first times we've ever had two people on at the same time. So it's kind of a first for us, I think. Too. Yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, we we have a few questions, but we'll, we'll we want to kind of start off with... Uh, what is the USA Ice Fishing Team? Kind of. So the USA Ice Fishing Team is uh, a team that's uh, put together, uh, represents the United States at uh, world uh, fishing events. So usually there's one event a year. It operates underneath the authority of the United States Angling Confederation, which is uh, the fishing federation that represents um, the USA Ice Team and other disciplines at world championships and cross our fingers maybe in the in the future um in, in olympic events as well Ooh. so um yeah so that's a that might be a whole nother episode for another day but uh <laughs> nonetheless there's a lot to unpack there but uh the usais team is comprised of uh five anglers and one reserve angler and then a ton of uh support staff that uh that go along with the team that really um the one of the most important uh, aspects of our team as far as uh really getting down and doing the dirty work so um yeah so that's what uh the USAIS team is on the uh the short version of it so so how did you guys get to be members of the USA ice team how did how what was that journey like um i'll start with that so i i saw you know just basically following fishing in general that there was some stuff going on with the USA team i think it the first United States team was put together in about 2008 to go to a world championship. And then the, in 2010, there was a world championship in the United States in uh, Rhinelander, Wisconsin. And that happened to be just a few, you know, probably 25 minutes from where I live. Um, I didn't really find out about that till after it happened. And I've been involved in competitive angling for quite a while. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And then, I think once I heard about that, I kind of started following some of the competitive ice fishing, you know, started watching the national, uh, the North American ice fishing circuit and some of that stuff. And then in 2013, the the world championship came to the U S again, and it was in Wausau, which is also within an hour of my house. And I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta get involved in this. And, uh, it just seemed like it was right up my alley with uh competitive. I mean, I've competitive fished in open water for quite a few years and I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this, uh, this ice fishing out. And then I saw a listing for tryouts 
And the tryouts for the USA ice team were to be held in Rhinelander, which, like I said, 25 minutes from home. And wow. my wife looking at me when I saw that flyer and she's like, yeah, you should go do that for sure. So, and you know, I went, went to that first tryout and everybody was, you know, good, seemed like a great group of guys in a well-run operation and uh, very competitive. And they kind of told me what I was getting into and, Helped me with a little bit of the tackle end of it for the kind of fishing that they were going to be doing. And yeah, from there, there, the rest is history. I made, I made the top five and I was super excited for that. And it's been quite a ride since I've been to seven world championships since then. So 2014 was my first one in Belarus. That is is really cool. And the fact that it was so close to home to get involved, when does that ever happen? Yeah, it just kind of fell into my lap. I don't know that I would have traveled far, but I'm like, what a great opportunity to to represent the United States. And like I said, I fish, like I'm, I'm sitting in a hotel room right now. I'm traveling for a, a walleye tour event, you know, where I'm fishing for six figures and it isn't, I mean, I think the U S fishing, even though there, there isn't like, you know, monetary prizes you're going to win, you're fishing for a gold medal. And to me that probably hits home and is probably my biggest deal out of the whole year. I would, you know, I would take winning a gold medal overseas, you know, for the United States over winning any any amount of money in a tournament in, in the United States. So it's pretty it's a pretty cool deal to to go hear your anthem played when you're across the pond, that's for sure. That's really cool, Nick. Ben, how about for you? How'd you get started in this? Uh, almost the same way Nick did. Uh, I didn't live as close to the uh, tryouts, but uh, I started uh, competitive fishing all back I don't know what it was, 2008 with the NAFC and, uh, you know, through exposure, heard about the USA ice fishing team and thought, hey, you know, this is something pretty neat. You know, this style of fishing is kind of cool. I'd like to learn more about it and uh, went to a tryout. And just as Nick said, you know, it's, uh, you know, went to those tryouts and realized, um, you know, this is a great group of guys. This is a, a fun way to fish. You know, this is a really neat way to, to, to go about uh, competitive fishing. And so, um, you know, made, uh, made, uh, 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 tryouts, um, didn't make the team the first time, went the second time and made the team. Uh, my first event was in Kazakhstan. So that was, uh, kind of a long haul. Um, it was, it was a long, long ways away. And, uh, the ice there was about, um, about four feet thick. So it was, uh, Holy yeah, crap. it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. So for my first event, it really was, uh, some some crazy times uh and you know if you're familiar with uh what we do with the usas fishing team uh we don't use electronics there's no electric augers nothing you know so um you know it's hand drilling through four feet of ice and uh you know it's uh it's quite something you do it and uh it's it's hard it can be it can be difficult but nonetheless it's exciting uh the process uh, the the event itself the tournament itself is just um you know it's it's amazing the way it's set up it's it really um, brings out your, the skill. It really brings out the sportsman in you. Really brings out you know the physicalness um, of what you need to do um, in order to compete against these other countries. Um, these other athletes uh, from Ukraine, uh, from Lithuania, Latvia. I mean, they're Estonia. I mean, you can name any Eastern European country, and these guys are are, are diehards. I mean, you wouldn't think about it here being in the United States, but. I mean, they are, you know, as competitive as anyone here in the United States. Um, you know, they want to win the gold medal just, you know, just as bad as we do. And, um, you know, so 
you know, it's it's just an amazing, um, amazing way to fish. It's an amazing way to uh, to competitive fish. And it's something a little different than what we're used to here in the United States. But, you know, that's what I wanted to do. That's, I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn the tools, the techniques. You know, I wanted to learn, you know, how, you know, it's done over there. Um, and uh, so that's what really uh, got me attracted to this, uh, to the USA Ice team. So... If you're, do you have somebody that drills your hole through four feet of ice or you're doing that yourself? We're ripping holes like crazy. And uh, honestly, like some of those competitions before we even start fishing, I was still drilling eight or eight or 10 holes before I even started fishing. So we, you know, yeah, when you practice and you kind of get that muscle memory, we're usually drilling four or five inch holes. We actually had to have some augers made with special longer flighting uh, so you could plunge ice a little bit easier and that thick, but, uh, yeah, you get used to it and we, we work hard and we practice hard and we drill a lot of holes in practice. And, um, next year in Mongolia, you know, if we have Ben and I end up there, it'll sounds like it's going to be a similar type of a deal, really thick ice over a meter. So, but yeah, it's, I think Ben really hit the nail on the head is, is the big draw for, for him and I, I think both even coming from different States even is that, it's a completely different discipline than the nice fishing in the United States. And that's probably what pulled me in was the chance to learn a completely different skill set than, than what I have here. So I competitive ice fish here and open water fish for, for walleye and some bass. And, you know, and then I added that world fishing and, and like I say, it's just stepping into a completely different uh, style of fishing and different types of fish and, Everything we do, the way we go about fishing over there is quite a bit different than how we fish in the United States. And uh, mostly that by that, I mean, you know, where we, we just use electronics and hunt down fish in the United States. We use our, we use all the electronics we have and we hunt the fish down. And in Eastern Europe, in those competitions without the electronics, it's more about bringing the fish to you. So there's a lot more involved with baiting techniques and what you put down the hole to attract fish to your holes. So you're like setting up holes with attractant to bring fish in. And that's, that's where in the whole new different chess match lies in most tournaments. So you gave one example of how it's quite a bit different than what we do in the States. Um, can you give any other example like technique or, or how you go about locating fish one of the, over there? Sure. One of the, one of the biggest things is is that uh, you know staple baits here in the United States would be like the uh, Euro larva, you know, basically spikes and and waxies and things like that for panfish. Um, most of their fishing over there is done with bloodworms, and those are like uh, kind of like a lake fly larva bloodworm, like we have in some of our mud bottom lakes in the Midwest. But they they raise them there and they sell them in flats, so yeah, you can buy them by the kilogram. So you're taking like flats of bloodworms and you're using that as part of your bait. And then for some of the different species of fish, they also use like ground food products like grains and breads and such. And then they mix that with the soil to make a kind of a ball and drop that down as well. Depending on the different species of fish that could have different kind of seasonings and scents in it. So you're basically putting bloodworms and food down the hole to attract fish in. And, you know, Ben, you can hit on this in a second, but 
the biggest thing for us that's that's hard going over there from the United States is, is we can we can use you know we can basically do the sounding around the comp- competition zones and we can figure out subtleties with breaks and things like that that we're used to looking at structure but and you know we can practice our mechanics and our fishing skills our actual raw fishing skills like how fast we can drill and handle our equipment and get jig you know speed fishing up and down we can practice on small perch in the united states and practice running and you know basically mechanics of fishing but where we where we have the 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 hardest the highest hurdle for us is when we have to go and and fish for a, a different species of fish that we don't have here and then try to find out on that particular body of water what scent will bring them in the best and hold them at our holes because that's that's kind of what the game is there is putting something down the hole that the fish like better than what the guy next to you has down the hole bring the fish in and be able to kind of keep them coming like dropping food down and what and we use sometimes we just feed from the top of the ice where we're dropping something right physically down the hole from in the hole out of our hand and other times we use a feeder which is essentially like um they're typically made out of brass homemade it's like a little plum uh kind of conical like a little cone uh two to three inches tall maybe and it's it's hollow with like a leaded trap door that kind of clicks shut and you run that on like a braid reel and you can pack your food in there or your blood worms in there and you let that down uh, till it's just above bottom, give it a snap and the trap door opens up and you kind of make a mushroom cloud of blood worms down there. And then you move on, drill another hole and do that again. And then once you get your hole set up, you're going back through to actually see if your blood worms, if your bait set, like pull any fish in. So that's, that's kind of the nuts and bolts, I guess, mm-hmm. the quick and dirty version of what the, one of the biggest differences is that I can, that's the best way for me to explain it, I guess. And to work off what Nick was saying, you know, um, uh, Eastern European style of fishing um, over there, they use palm rods and palm rods are catching on over here in the United States more and more, but more specifically because the USAIS team is the ones that really um, introduced that style of fishing um, to the United States. Um, And if you're familiar with palm rods are, they're just a short rod, five, six inches. Um, They are what they are. They fit in the palm of your hand and it's a really um finesse type of style of fishing where you're able to detect the bite from these you know these little fish because uh the competition um consists of a total weight so you're keeping those fish you're trying to catch everything that you can possibly catch because literally i mean every gram um counts i mean it's super important um so you know that's that's another big thing is that uh you know the gear that we use our line our jigs that's not really common here in the united states um but the techniques and the style of fishing that is used in europe um is used back here in the united states by people that have been there and it's been used extremely successfully you know that's you know, some of the top fishermen in the United States, um, you know, you have used what they've learned overseas to become extremely successful over here. Uh, so it's catching on some of the techniques, some of the tools and, and things that we use over there are catching on over here. But a lot of the style of fishing, uh, just like Nick had explained, is uh, it's it's quite different uh, over there than it is over here. So do you so, put, do you put a, did you, do you put a, 
bait on your hook or your lure also too along with the cloud of bait or is it just more of a the lure is separate from that the the worms we put down are typically like a smaller version of the larva and then we use the bigger ones for hook bait so usually if you drop that cloud of the smaller ones and then you have a you're holding the head you know kind of like a little fisca jig more mishka jig is what we call them they're uh you put one, you know, put a couple of bloodworms on there, and it's just a little bigger one sticking out. Usually, when you get those fish going, you know, and there's there's different techniques for the different species right. of fish, but yeah, tip, typically we're putting bloodworms on for hook bait. That's another rule. There's no plastic involved or anything like that in those competitions, so it's pretty much hook bait only, and we're using bloodworms for hook bait as well. I know I saw a picture I think on Facebook of you guys getting the bloodworms ready at your hotel, and it was like a lot. A lot of yeah, them. and it, I'm like, whoa, I wonder what the heck. <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest thing that we learned. So now we're, you know, we started going overseas a while ago, and then also with the open tryouts, it's been, you know, every year we have a few new faces, and there's a few of us that have been there a few times, and we're trying to kind of gain momentum with that base of knowledge that we learn every year, and just in like probably 2019 or 2020 we've been trying to make enough friends with some of these other teams where they, you know, we, we, we need a little bit of coaching from some of them on some of the stuff that we really, there isn't any access to. It's not even something you can really Google. Like how do you clean, how do you keep your bloodworms and keep them clean? And what we're, what was happening the first few years I went is we would buy bait and they would, they would sell us our bloodworms to our team and we'd keep them like wrapped in newspaper in a refrigerator and then we get out on competition day and our bloodworms were like dark. They're, they're red. They weren't bright red. They were kind of starting to turn dark and there was dead ones in there. And, you know, we really didn't have any idea how to take care of them. So that was one of the huge steps for us that we learned in Bulgaria. We had some friends from Lithuania have their bait. They have, you know, they have a special person dedicated, most of these teams do, to dealing with their bait. And it's very work intensive to keep them fresh and happy it's kind of like i guess like i would equate it to somebody in the summer trying to keep leeches healthy you have to you have to wash them and, and get the dead ones out so there's like a process of like rinsing them and letting them go through a strainer and the live ones will crawl through and then you have the dead ones in the strainer in water and then dump them out and then rinse the other ones and then you kind of have to like hang them in a mesh bag dry get them mostly dry so there's not too much water in there put them on paper towel then wrap them in newspaper and uh you know tell them a bedtime story <laughs> sing to them a little bit and then put them back in the fridge so yeah it's, it's very work intensive for that and uh that was the step we learned probably in bulgaria the best and we we were able to kind of continue with that this year finally and keep our bloodworms alive but then now this year what we found out with this tournament, um, there was really no perch involved. The redfin perch were not on this venue too much, and that's probably the only one that we can kind of relate to. So we were hoping it would be more of a roach tournament. Um, that's like a, the European roach is kind of like a golden shiner type of a minnow, what we have here, something we'd use for pike bait. But um, that's a big sport fish over there. And um, and then the bream, obviously. And bream are they kind of look like a gizzard shad and they range same in size up to a, a couple pounds even. And they're real scent oriented. So what it came down to is our practice. We're trying to mix up a bunch of different ground baits and different feeding methods 
and see what pulls in the brain the best. And, you know, in practice, we're kind of amongst our team able to put this stuff down the hole and then find out what's working better. And we were able to do that. But then similar to Kazakhstan, which is also mostly roach and bream, when we get into a competition zone and put that food down, it seemed like, you know, the top five teams that are always the top five powerhouse teams, whatever they have down in their hole seems to pull them better. So like our speed and mechanics and our fishing might be great, but, you know, we're still a little bit learning curve on, on how to make up the right concoctions for that particular body of water. And I think, um, you know, in retrospect, looking back and Ben and I have talked about this with some of the other coaches and captains that, you know, to take the next step forward, it may take like making a, a trip ahead of the, the cutoff, you know, of the championship to that region and doing a little practice fishing potentially with a, a, you know, somewhat of a coach from a coach from Eastern Europe, because we can train all we want here, but we're really just going through the motions with that. So that's kind of where we're at, you know, and uh, just like everybody else, we're f- limited on funding and we're trying to find ways to keep learning more, keep the ball rolling and keep improving our finishes, you know, as, as best we can. I'm thinking we might need an on-site like trip to watch the team. Is it a spectator sport if a guy would fly to Mongolia? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a spectator sport. Uh, you know, um, usually when we are overseas, there are a ton of locals that uh, come out and will watch the, the the competition happen on Saturday and Sunday. So the competition is basically uh, five zones or called zones. And each one angler from each country um, is in a zone. So there's space around the zones. Um, there's one space that's kind of immediately next to the zones called a neutral zone that that is five meters. Nobody can really go into that except for the captains and coaches. But then beyond that, um, there is um, just basically the rest of the lake, the rest of the area where all the spectators can come and watch. Um, and a lot of times there's kids out there and, you know, there's uh, moms and dads and there's a lot of media out there. So, and they're all filming and watching what's going on and listening and seeing, um, you know, all the anglers, you know, doing their work out there. So, yeah. So there, anybody is, is are anybody's welcome to come, come and watch and, uh, you know, and, uh, see, see how it works. So we try to do our best at, uh, you know, um, uh, dialoguing everything that we do over there. And sometimes we're so busy that, uh, you know, it just doesn't happen. You know, not everything gets recorded. So you don't really get a chance to, to you know, um, you know, to take pictures and video of, of everything you absolutely want to or need to. So it's a little, um, you know, sporadic here and there on exactly what we do. But uh, nonetheless, it's it's a really neat competition to watch. It's um, just a lot of movement, a lot of things going on, and uh, a lot of, you know, usually, usually, sometimes not, but a lot of fish being caught, especially in Estonia. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of bigger bream being caught. So that's always pretty exciting to, uh, to be able to get up and close and, and watch that happen. Do you guys have a favorite country so far that you're like, hey, I hope we go back to here? Ben would agree. They're all so different. They're really different. And I think that's what probably pulls me in the most is that, you know, they are so different. And that as a tournament angler, I'm, I've, I've always liked to travel more. There's guys that I know that tournament fish and like to fish the same bodies of water and try to just see how well they can do on their, their home body of water. But I, I like to travel all over and, and, and fish new bodies of water. And I think everyone's been considerably different so far. Um, the one 
I think I really would have liked to have seen the most is one year when we were in Ukraine, they had a venue set up and the ice just wasn't going to hold up for the dates we had. And we were there and they had to move off site. So they were kind of scrambling to set that up and the fishing was not great. But I think the fishing on the venue they had picked was great. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that all the, you know, the bad business going on there right now can, can get taken care of at some point and hope someday to go back to Ukraine and, and, and fish on that, on that body of water. Cause those guys, they put a lot of work into that event and, and it would have been great to fish there with them. So we have some good friends from over there. Yeah. I think adding on to what Nick was saying, you know, um, he's right. Nick's right. Every, every country is different in its own way. And to be able to have the opportunity to, to do this and to travel to these different countries is amazing in itself. Um, you know, I think, I, I think I can speak for Nick too. When I say, yeah, you know, every country we've been to, we can pick out, you know, amazing characteristics that we really love from it, you know? And, um, so it's, it's really hard to narrow it down. I mean, if you ask me about food, I might be able to tell you, or ask me about, you know, um, you know, some sort of building, you know, there might be, you know, a building in a country that I like more, but, uh, you know, really it's just an amazing opportunity to be able to, to travel and be able to experience this and be able to have the opportunity and, uh, you know, and, and that just takes away from, you know, um, just, you know, thinking about, well, I don't want to go here. Or I'd like yeah. to go here or this sort of thing. It's, it's just, it, it's amazing. And, you know, it's kind of, kind of want to go everywhere. Jason, obviously we're in Midwest, you know, I'm in Minnesota, Jason's in Iowa. When we first started the podcast, it was like, you know, we fished in Minnesota. We know what that's like. We fished, you know, a little bit in Iowa. Then we started the podcast and we get like, Hey, I'm in South Korea ice fishing. And we're like, what people ice fish in South Korea. So I I didn't think about it being like a global thing. Right. It seemed more local. So that's, that's been cool to hear from those people. You know, exposure is a really big thing for our sport. It's, you know, exposure is big for, you know, being able to, you know, get those likes and those clicks and, you know, um, so we really try hard, like I said, to try to get pictures out there in video and, and be able to show you guys, you know, what it is that we do show you some of the culture, some of, you know, what we're seeing over there, because not everybody does get the opportunity. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you just, um, you, you want to be able to, to take it all in and be able to, you know, show everybody exactly, you know, what, you know, what's, what's happening and, and what the country's like and, you know, how we're doing. So, you know, we try to, um, you know, try to try to be able to share what we do um, with everybody, but uh, exposure is everything. And, uh, you know, we, we're constantly working on that. You have to go on people's podcasts, right? <laughs> so one thing I always like to ask people, I know I asked you how you got on the this team, but I also am always interested in what people's journeys were for getting started in ice fishing itself. Um, because some people start as an adult, some people, you know, they're their dad or grandpa or grandma or somebody got them into it. I don't know if you would mind taking a couple of minutes just to share kind of your origin story for your, your fishing experience. Yeah. I, I, if I, I start, I'd say that uh, I grew up in Oshkosh on Lake Winnebago, a big, big fishing, you know, destination and also a very big tournament destination. So I was ice fishing with my dad as early as I can possibly remember. And, you know, that was, that was also, a, um, I, I, I like to put this together. This is a good question for me because I think that a lot of my roots helped me with, you know, jumping right in and being successful with, with the world competition. 
And, you know, you think about Winnebago, we were very mobile. My dad was like cutting edge in that time. Like say, if I grew up in the late, you know, in the eighties, even eighties, nineties, running around on Lake Winnebago with CBs and, you know, moving around, everybody was just working together, networking, fishing fast, moving mobile. Um, we made a lot of our own rods. We did a lot of hand over hand rod tossing, um, fishing, mostly with jigging wraps for walleyes and white bass. But at the end of the day, that kind of style of running gun and and also the hand over hand style fishing had some similarities. And then from there, after college, I lived in the Madison area for a while. And for quite a few years, you know, probably seven, eight years of fishing on Mendota, um, that was a long walk. So I was, you know, basically not having a quad walking out on into Lake Mendota, 70, 80 feet of water out in the middle, like over a mile walking out. And then I would drill large grids of holes. And because of the walk, I was one of the few people I did use a four inch hand auger for perch out there. And uh, that was another thing that contributed to my roots of knowing, you know, being pretty fast with a hand auger because I drilled, you know, monster 50, sometimes hundred hole grids looking for perch with just a flasher on Mendota. And I'd oftentimes start by drilling 50. And this was like mid nineties. I'd go drill 50 holes, start work through them with a flasher. And then if I didn't see any fish, I'd leave and drill 50 more. So see, Jeff, you don't need don't, CrossFit. <laughs> no, exactly. That would be the evolution. I went from Winnebago fishing that style. Then I went to a lot of perch fishing on Mendota and fishing bluegills, panfish around there. And then eventually I ended up in Northern Wisconsin, which is more bluegill crappie type destination and have that. I always had the mentality of a tournament angler and I oftentimes had small windows of time. So I guess that's probably what groomed me the best for it is going out there for a couple hours to try to, you know, get a nice batch of fish or if that was my goal. And uh, I never, I've always been one to where I'm not out ice fishing to sit and wait for fish to come to me. I've always been that hunt them down type of mentality. So this was a natural fit for me. And, and I don't know, I feel like I jumped right into it. And I love, I love this style of fishing. Even if we're fishing for smaller fish sometimes over there, I still love the chase and I love the competition. So, and you know, it's whether it's a a kind of a body of water where you're going to be catching a ton of fish or a small amount of fish. I like to also say that my second year, I think in Finland, I had a good tournament and I had a great finish for our country. And I had one day where I probably caught close to 250 fish in a 180 minute window, you know, so over one a minute pace for three hours. And then I, the next day I probably could have fit all of my fish in a sandwich bag. And I had a better fish finish the second day with about, you know, like 18 or 20 tiny fish that I could fit in the sandwich bag. I took a third place in that zone. So that's how they set them up. You know, they could have a, a series of like Ben described the zones. They're like, if you picture them the size of a football field lined up end to end and, you know, you might draw a zone that's full of fish and is going to be a, a big, you know, melee, we like to call it. And you may end up one where you just got to grind and just keep drilling holes and get one here, one there. So it's just got to be able to pick up on what kind of tournament is and, and run, run with it. And it's, it's, it never fails to be different than what you expect every time you go. Thanks for sharing that. How about you, Ben? You know, I never got a lot of fishing in when I was a kid, um, hard water or soft water. I was, uh, I, I played hockey. I played hockey since I was four years old and, um, played the sport through high school and then a little bit after high school. And then I was a high school hockey coach for five years, um, here in the cities. 
Uh, so, you know, that took up a lot of my time. I skated all year round. I skated spring, summer, fall, and winter. Uh, so I really didn't get my first taste of ice fishing until I was about 17 years old. And I was with uh, my best friend at the time. Uh, it was the middle of the day. We really didn't have a whole lot to do. It was winter, of course. And uh, so my buddy says, hey, you want to go ice fishing? I said, yeah, that'd be awesome. But I you know, I don't have anything. You know, there's I don't have a you know, we don't have poles. We don't have anything. He goes, well, yeah, my dad. My dad's got some poles. He's got a hand auger. And so I was like, uh, okay, but his dad wasn't home at the time. So I'm like, dude, okay, what do we do? And so he's, we'll just steal it. We'll just go, we'll just go steal him. I'll just run downstairs, grab his poles. We'll go out to the lake. So sure enough, he does that. And we go out to the lake and, uh, you know, we're hand drilling, you know, and it's a, it's a pain in the butt, you know, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, I got to get through this ice. If, you know, I want to go fishing, we only got a couple hours before his dad gets home. So, you know, we got to get through this ice. So we did, uh, we drilled two holes. He fished one, I fished the other and, my first fish that I caught, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I just uh, put a lure down. He grabbed some minnows. His dad had some minnows from the day before. And uh, so I put a minnow down and it was about probably about half an hour, 45 minutes later, um, you know, I had a bite and uh, it was, it was a big fish and I ended up uh, fighting it for a while, reeling it up. And <clears throat> the, the coolest thing was, was I hadn't, like I said, never fished before. So I didn't know what it was, you know, what, you know, what was this thing coming up through the hole? You know, and I think everybody for the first time could really, you know, say something like that for their experience. But all of a sudden, you know, I get the nose up through the hole and, it, you know, it's a pike. It measured 27 inches. Wow. And after that, I was hooked. I was completely hooked. I mean, you know, you catch a fish like that for your first fish, your first time. And, you know, you, you don't want to leave the ice anymore. Um, so you combine that uh, with my competitiveness for uh, playing, you know, high school you know, and, uh, you know, playing hockey, playing sports and you know, obviously, like Nick just said, you know, competitive fishing was, uh, you know, a great fit for me. And especially this format where we have three hours, you know, you're you're literally you're, you're drilling tons of holes, you know, and it could be through 12 inches of ice. It could be through four feet. But, you know, you're competing against the best anglers in the world from their countries. And that just, you know, the drive that I learned while playing hockey, you know, just continued on into this, uh, into these events, into these world championships and the grind, you know, I love it. You know, I, I just, I just love the competition. I love the, you know, how physical it is. I love how technical it is. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's a perfect fit for me. And so I, I grew from those two things, the first time I was fishing and my hockey and, uh, this is where it ended up on ice, just a different, different ice <laughs> than the yeah. hockey ice. I guess ice, ice, yeah, I guess ice has been the theory since I was about four years old. So it's, uh, yeah, it kind of continues on in 43 and haven't stopped yet. So it's kind of a neat concept. Sounds like it's a natural habitat for both of you guys <laughs> from, from the beginning. So what have we forgot to ask you? What else do you think our listeners would like to know about? what you guys do or, or advice you have to share, or. I would just say the best advice I have is to get involved in it. You know, think about yourself as an athlete and it causes me to work more on, you know, focused on health and nutrition than I normally would. And I do uh, go to the gym. I go to CrossFit six days a week, usually when I'm not training and, uh, and, you know, take care of myself, do a lot of running and, you know, stay very fit. So I don't really, have any of the physical weakness when I'm when I'm out on the ice in a competition if it turns into something like that because like I always say if if you're if you're better physically you'll be better mentally so you know more so than like some of the was you know some of the midwest fishing and that's kind of 
beer drinking and and that that this is a totally different ball game. Yeah, I always just say you keep keep hustling. I always tell people to keep hustling, and when you're they, you know, a lot of questions I get from people are, uh, how can you stand not fishing with a flasher? And I say, well, the biggest thing is visualization, and whenever you're dropping and you know you're whenever you're dropping down a hole, you're focusing on you know you should be visualizing that there's a fish looking at it all the time, every time you're dropping get down to bottom and fish holes fast, you know, and you know, one of the best guys we know in the world from Ukraine, they call him bunny because <laughs> he's in and out of holes so fast, you know, and you just got to keep hustling and, and keep dropping until you find him. So that's the best advice I have. That's really interesting, Nick, because with electronics um, for the first time this past trip, one of our friends had a live scope. Mm-hmm. And so what you found yourself doing really quick was not doing anything until something showed up on the live scope. But while I used to crawl in on the bottom, you wouldn't see them on the live scope anyway. So there's that tendency to not, you know, with electronics to to not fish it the whole time. So that, that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's a totally different mindset. We've used the live scope a lot in tournaments. And basically, it's almost like what we call when we tr- fish in a tournament with a live scope across the basin, like making a trolling pass because we're drilling, looking. If there's no fish, we carry on. Drill, no fish, carry on rather than wait. But this is just like that, but more magnified that you, you, know, you don't get to cheat and look a hundred feet. <laughs> ben, anything to add to him? This sport, uh, the USAIS fishing team and what we do is, you know, very physical. It's very in-depth. It's very technical, um, you know, and it's a, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, like I said here, like we said earlier, you know, you don't get to experience this type of fishing in the United States. Um, unless you do come to USAIS fishing team tryouts um, and people that do think it's, you know, it's, it's an amazing event. It's just amazing way to fish, no electronics. Um, it's just you, your mind, your, your body, your pole and the fish. And that's all there is. And I love it because I think it's just the purest way to fish, you know, and uh, so it's, it's, it's pretty neat stuff. And I get a lot of questions, you know, how do, how do we get involved? You know, how, how does somebody like me, you know, um, you know, um, you know, some, somebody from central Minnesota or central Wisconsin, or, you know, even somebody down South, you know, Iowa that, you know, says, Hey, you know, I love fishing. I, I, can I get involved? Is this something I can do? And the answer is yes, absolutely. You know, um, you need to have a, a willingness to learn. You need to have a willingness to, um, you know, to uh, be competitive um, and be open-minded and just really want to be able to, um, you know, uh, fish, you know, this type of way. And the best way to do that is, um, you know, contact, you know, one of the, uh, you know, one of the anglers, contact uh, the United States Angling Confederation um, by going online, uh, usangling.org. Um, and, uh, navigating our website, it'll, um, at, you know, on our website, you'll be able to find all the information you need, um, for all our disciplines that us angling, um, you know, operates. And, uh, from there you can find contact information and and just don't be afraid to reach out to any one of us, whether it's a board member, whether it's a program director, um, whether it's an angler. Uh, we're all excited about what we do here, you know, and um, you know, I don't think that I, I guarantee you there's not one guy that won't sit for hours and, and talk about it because 
you know, it's um just a, a, a super cool thing. So, you know, if you're looking, if anybody's looking at getting, you know, involved um, in any which way whatsoever, whether they want to be part of the team or whether they want to um, volunteer, uh, you at the United States Angling Confederation, we're looking for people to get involved all the time through volunteering. We hold world championships here in the United States, um, usually one to uh, two a year. Uh, this hmm. year is the World Kayak. Uh, bass black bass fishing championship and we're always looking for volunteers to get involved um you know help out uh you know with the event help out with boats if we have a um a, a black bass boat event or a predator um you know which is uh you know um uh walleye and you know any uh predator fish if we have a predator world championship we need boats you know so there's some really neat ways to get involved for um you to get your foot in the door in order to be able to help out in order for you to see what uh, you know all these anglers are doing and when we have a world championships here in the united states what you know the top anglers across the world are doing and um you know it's uh we're i think I can speak for just about every angler. We're, we're a bunch of friendly guys, you know, so don't be afraid to reach out. And if you're interested, um, get involved, get involved and, and uh, volunteer and, um, you know, um, and go about it that way. Because let me tell you, it's um, it's a pretty neat thing that uh, Nick does. Pretty neat thing that the USA Bass team does, that the ice team, you know, everybody that we all do here. So it's uh I find it, you know, a lot of people think it's really intriguing and it's definitely something to talk about and something to get involved with. I think I need to sign up for, uh, check this out next year. I don't know. I know you guys, it's got me thinking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, are you guys done for this you year? Know, are you guys done with the, the ice fishing for the year? Yeah. So as far as anything with the USA ice fishing team, yeah, we're, uh, we've completed everything, um, you know, that we do in a year. So, um, we look forward to, uh, being able to, uh, head to Mongolia next year, as Nick mentioned, um, next year's world championship will be in Mongolia. So it's a long plane ride, yeah. <laughs> a real, real long plane ride. And, uh, you know, but, um, a, a, another amazing country, you know, another amazing, um, you know, venue, amazing people to, uh, go visit and go, you know, take a look at and go experience. So, um, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, we're excited about it. And, um, yeah, like I said, if you want to get involved, you know, just reach out to, to, you know, anybody at usangling.org and, uh, figure out how you can, uh, how you can get involved as well. Awesome. But I really, really appreciate you guys sharing all this information with us. It's, it's, I know this topic will be new for a lot of our listeners. So, um, I really appreciate the information and, and you guys sharing your experiences with, uh, with the team. Um, and you know, hopefully let, when you, when you, you don't even have to win a gold to have you back on, but I'd love to have you guys back <laughs> yeah, on for in the sure. future yeah. to hear, you know, to hear about, hear about your, your victories and your, your fishing, because it's certainly a unique thing. And we really appreciate you representing the USA and, and, and doing that. That's awesome. Thanks for having us on guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, sure. definitely. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Very, very, I'm very happy to tell the story. Yep. I, I wish I wish we could get out there more. You know, it's just like I say, it's such a niche thing that we do, and it's 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 just hard for I think a lot of people understand the different styles of fishing that we do over there. But it is it is pretty cool, definitely. Yes, and thank you, thank you for having us. We really appreciate it as well, and uh, you know, and being able to to get you know what we do, and and like what Nick said, you know, and we've said before, it's just and it's it's the coolest style of fishing, and what we do 
you know, is so cool. And, uh, you know, so, um, you know, thank you for that opportunity for us to get to a chance to talk about it today. All right. Well, we want to thank uh, Ben and Nick for taking the time to, to meet with us and, and be on the show. Um, check them out if you guys want more information on on what they do and, and how they do it, because it's certainly the most unique thing I've I've come across in a long time. And it's been there for a long time, but um, it's sure great for them to be on the show. So thanks, everybody, for listening tonight. Tight lines. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to the Hard Water Fishing Show with Jeff and Jason. Say goodbye. One of the most unique podcasts on the planet where we talk about tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. We'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Till then, signing off. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.